Thank you, Pastor Tristan, beautiful man of God, you. Amen. Can I stand right here? I don't know where to stand. How do we like the space? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Do we like it? Not like it? I mean, honestly, when, when uh, Pastor Raphael and I saw this, we were like, oh, my word, this is $155 a Sunday. This is gorgeous, the, the feel, the look, the aesthetic, obviously. So if you, you're the people, man. I'm no, but I'm nothing. If we love this spot, it's a total spot. So email me, text me if you like this. The, 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 can I do business? It's okay to do business, right? Who else am I going to do business with? I don't know, by myself, talk to myself, like three other people. Um, obviously, the kids' space at the other spot is remarkably better with the park. So we really care about the next generation. We really care about every generation. So that's why we were torn. But it's kind of neat to get to get a trial run these next two Sundays because they needed it for some event that they had to tear down. Obviously, as you notice at the other place, it's like the Arroyo Grande storage unit. <laughs> Super inspiring. You know, anointed. The uh, death zombie says you're worshiping Christ. <laughs> you see all the Halloween stuff. Bless the Lord. Um, but this is a spot. So if you guys just want to like come secretly or we can take an all-church vote or I'll ask my wife because her voice matters more than all of yours to me. <laughs> Because she's been doing a lot of the kids' ministry that's happening right now. But uh, seriously, prayerfully consider, you know, this is, a, this is a beautiful spot. Obviously, we really love it. And on nicer days, you see there's plenty of places to run. But um, again, part of the miracle when, when Raph, Pastor Raphael and, I, Raphael and I were praying about a spot here, this really did perk up. Like, wow, Lord, this is amazing that this could be a potential temporary home until the Lord opens another spot. So every eye bow and every head closed. Let's, let's take a vote. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just come way too insecure for that. Come talk to me after the service when no one's around. <clears throat> well, I, um, I know that these, this, uh, these seasons are a bag of, <clears throat> just a bag of different emotions um, for many of us. For some, we love the holidays. We have beautiful memories of great times of everyone getting the stomach flu. That didn't happen at our house. I just have memories growing up with four kids as, as a kid. So holidays have, have a mixed bag of emotions. Uh, for some of us, we've lost loved ones, and so we, we grieve and rem remember their life. Um, and so that's why I just loved how Jade just led us in worship this morning. Just how many are, are happy that you came to the house of God today just to receive the presence of the Lord, just his, his washing, his, his renewal? And so <clears throat> I'm just really, really thankful for God's presence. And so, Lord, as we as we open your word, we we ask that you would just breathe your peace again, your presence upon every person in this room. God, we thank you for your beautiful love. We thank you for our our uh, unbelievable privilege to gather with other believers up and down the coast in this place to lift up Jesus and as we lift him up, it just happens. He lifts us up out of that Psalm 40, miry clay. He puts our feet on the rock where we can stand in any storm, any adversity. We have an unshakable hope and foundation in the gospel. So, Lord, I thank you as we look to you now, Jesus, be glorified. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. So we had the, anyone have power go out last night? 
Well, all of my children are, um, have been trained to sleep with fans, so simultaneously, I could hear. <laughs> and so we had four in the room last night, bless God. I'm not complaining. I'm not tired. You're tired. <laughs> I, if I fall asleep halfway through, it's because the talk is boring. And last night was interesting. Praise the Lord. Um, but honestly, God is so good. It's um, <clears throat> this week, um, if you aren't uh, attached to our YouTube and our, and our Instagram and social media, I've done six different teachings. I've preached six times. So if today's not good, go to our YouTube channel and pick one of the six other sermons. I'm not bragging. It was an amazing week of fruitfulness. I had so much fun preaching on the tabernacle prayer. I unpacked five of the seven pieces of furniture. So I just realized um, that I've already preached a lot this week, so here comes another uh, message, but this is really, really great. So if you remember, our, our sermon series is on the, the theme of Advent. What does Advent mean, someone who's been listening? Arrival, or what else? The coming, coming and arrival, it's both. The appearing, all three. C, all the above. D, all the above. Um, and so the season of Advent, we've been walking through the at least six different iterations of how God has chosen to reveal really the, the utmost reality of his heart, which is he wants to dwell with us. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to dwell with us. From Genesis to Revelation, we see God wants to dwell with people. And there's a problem, though. God is holy. People aren't. And so throughout salvation history, the story of Israel Story of the judges, story of Samuel, story of the ark, story of the tabernacle, story of the temple. Today we're going to dabble in the temple. The story of Jesus is that God is always having to make a way to uh, accommodate, <laughs> that's the right word, for our brokenness and our desire to go astray. But praise God, this is why I'm a gospel preacher. The gospel was God's once and for all remedy for the wayward heart. That something definitively happened we're going to look at next week. Shout out for our joint Espanol and English service. Who's excited to worship one God, dos languages, secret, not so secret. We are going to have a feast. So pay attention to your emails. Bring aside. We are going to have tamales. Just, oh, someone say amen. Someone feel that, that anointing. It's going to be really, really wonderful next week. So bring a friend. Uh, the kids are going to get to decorate some ornaments. It'll be really, really fun. And so make sure you're here with us next week to celebrate. Also, this coming week is my 15-year anniversary. So don't call me on Thursday or Friday. I love you. 15 years, 15 long, beautiful years, wonderful years. And so, um, yeah, praise God. So this, this week we're on Temple. Um, again, you can go to our YouTube and watch all the sermons you want on the tabernacle and the tabernacle prayer. I have two to finish this week before I leave for a day of uh, honeymoon stuff. Uh, honeymoon? Uh, anniversary stuff. Sorry. <laughs> okay. It's hot in here. Open the doors and the window. Anyway, uh, actually, <laughs> so, sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, Praise God. So, so the tabernacle, right? It's this mobile dwelling place for, for Yahweh. 
And we, we left off in Exodus 40 after Moses built this, this tabernacle to, to the heavenly pattern. The glory of Yahweh fills the tabernacle. And it's this amazing journey that Israel goes on for 40 years that literally they, 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 had, they had to follow the cloud by day and the fire by night. So this 11-day journey, quote-unquote, from Egypt to Jordan River Promised Land took 40 years because of the sinfulness and rebellion, rebellious hearts of God's people. So the 11-day plan turned into a 40-year plan. Who's, on, who's been on the 40-year plan in the, in the house? Every person's hand probably raised. Where God just, he just, for God, it's never about the arrival or the destination. It's about the journey. And how many are thankful that it's in the journey we're formed to actually be able to steward and carry what he wants to give us in the promise. But he's got to transform us. He's got to train us. Everyone say he's got to train us. So that we can reign with him. Train to reign. That's a good one. So 40 years, they, they roll. Obviously, Moses, you know, the second time he doesn't speak to the rock, he strikes it because he just got tired of leading rebellious people. But it cost him his ticket to the promised land. So he like sees the promise on the mountain. He's like, oh, that'll be really sweet. Joshua, you're the guy. So tag, you're it. Joshua leads Israel in, into conquering the land, and they march around Jericho and all the walls, right? And so, the, the, so God's people serve him throughout Joshua's leadership, and then just go read Judges, right? One generation dies off. The next generation is like, we should do what's right in our own eyes. God sends judgment through occupying uh, armies, it gets so bad for God's covenant people. They're like, oh, maybe we should cry out to the God who delivered us and like split Red Seas and Jordan rivers and fed us with man in the wilderness and speaking to rocks and rivers flow and wilderness desert. Like, let's call on his name. Right. Amen. So they call on his name and then God sends a deliverer, a judge, a rescuer. And this happens just multiple times, multiple times. How many know it doesn't have to be that way, even though a lot of times it is that way? God, it's going good. It's sweet. Let me take the reins of my life. I'll be in charge. I'll be in control. It gets bad. Oh, yeah, maybe I should have included God in my life. God in his mercy is like, I'll give you another go at it. But so, so judges, 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 judges. Then you get the Ruth, and then you get 1 Samuel. Then, so here's what happens. So the, God's people think, they, they forget that God isn't dumb. Right. He's not dumb and he's not a God that he'll be mocked, even though we mock him all the time. So they go into battle in first Samuel and they think that God, remember how God dwelt in the, the most holy place of the tabernacle. And so they bring the ark out because the enemies are coming because they think if we have the right form, it doesn't matter how our hearts are or our minds or our faithfulness to God. Let's just bring the ark of the covenant out to battle with us. Surely God will give us the victory. And this is where the story turns, and the ark is literally stolen by the Philistines. God didn't go with them into the battle. Why? It was never about the furniture. It was all about God's people ordering their lives around his law and his word. So this is the backstory to David and to Saul. So the glory literally leaves Israel. I'm sorry, I'm taking way too long to give the backstory. I read it this week. Read your Bibles. The Bible's awesome. Okay, first of all, read your Bible. Woo! The new year's coming. Get a new Bible. Get, be, be a new you. I'm just kidding. But for real, by reading your Bible. 
I was just unbelievable, just re rehearsing the story in my spirit as I was preparing. Just, Lord, what an unbelievable story. So God raises up a prophet because the priesthood is wicked. Eli's wicked. His sons are wicked. They all die off. But there's this man that Hannah's crying out for, a, for an offspring. She's barren. She gets a Samuel, and she commits Samuel. So Samuel's like this purifying agent of the priesthood. He's a prophet. He's a priest, and he's like the last judge of Israel. But then Israel's like, gosh, you know what? It'd be really sweet to be like every other nation. Let's have a king. And Samuel's like, oh, no. They don't know what they're asking. Just go read all of 1 Samuel 8. It's unbelievable. Yahweh's like, Samuel, it's not you they're rejecting. It's me they're rejecting. Give them what they want, but tell them what it's going to cost them. Which is what I'm saying. It's so terrifying when God gives us what we want. Can we just say amen? Because <laughs> what we want is not always what's good for us. It was unbelievable. I had an amazing talk with my, my daughter this week. I just don't want to make her feel embarrassed. And she's like, you know, um, you know, she's talking to her friend. Her friends are talking to her. And, you know, it's like God, God just wants everyone to be happy so we can sort of do whatever we want. That's what her friend told her. She's like, Dad, but that's not right. Right? I was like, no. <laughs> I said, God wants us to be holy. Amen. He wants us to do life according to his design. And so we talked about Genesis and God's design for marriage, but all the stuff. She's the one. She's like, Dad, my friend. So I love that she's coming to me with questions about what her peers, her friends are telling her. It's like, no, when we, when, when we say yes to God's holiness, doing life the way he's designed, we can experience the most unbelievable happiness and joy. Does that make sense? And so God, God when God gives us what we want, i.e., just to be happy, be our own gods, do whatever we want without reverence for God, reference to God. It does not bring us further into a garden-like environment. Just look at our generation. It brings us back to the chaos. I've been saying this like every week. I know you get it, but it's like in real time happening. So anyway, they ask for a king. God's like, just give them what they want, even though it's going to be very costly for them to get what they want. So Saul starts out well. Even when they, they try to anoint him as Israel's first king, he's hiding. In other words, he started well in humility, but it didn't end well. He's building monuments to himself. He's like, I'm a pretty good, pretty good king at Gilgal. Just go read 1 Samuel 12 through the rest. And so he builds this monument. Samuel's like, dude, you are rejected. God removes his anointing and blessing. And then he goes to Jesse's house. And Jesse has eight sons, all these kids. You can read this story again in Samuel. And Samuel thinks when he sees Eliab, the firstborn son of Jesse, he's super tall. He's like noble looking. He's, he's handsome. He's like, this has to be God's guy. And then this is the ultimate one liner, right? You've heard this. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so God's Yahweh is speaking into the prophets here. He's like, it's not him. Then he looks to his other sons, it's not him, Abinadab, nope, not him, not him. And then Samuel's like, I know I came to the right house because I hear God's voice. I was trained in a priestly prophetic environment. That's how he grew up. First Samuel 3 says he used to just hear God's voice and minister to him in a little ephod as a priest. He's like, there's got to be one more. And then Jesse's like, oh, yeah, that's right, I do have another son, okay? So... I love David. We should do a whole sermon series in the new year, right, on, on David, because what a biblical character um, in every way, shape, and form. And so Jesse, Samuel's like, it's cool. We'll wait. 
go get the go get the shepherd boy. So they all chill. They go out. He comes like the, the son that was basically forgotten is like, who that certainly wouldn't be him. And then God's like, that's my man. Anoint him. He's the one. He's the king that I want to anoint. It's an unbelievable story. He gets the anointing. He goes back. He has this un, he's like before he's a warrior, he's a shepherd worshiper. So he has this anointing to sing and to play music. He's so powerful in God. Because the spirit leaves Saul, David is enlisted immediately in Saul's company because when he would play the music, the tormenting spirit would leave. How do you know there is power in our worship? There is power when we sing to God. That's the point of what I'm going to say the whole sermon. The whole sermon today is what do we learn from the temple? Because it's really just a blown out tabernacle. Instead of one lampstand, there's 10. Instead of one little bowl to wash, there's this huge sea with 12 bowls, right? So the temple, it, this furniture is very similar. It's just blown out. So what I want to impart today, what, did, what, did, what does the temple and David's little tabernacle on the way to the temple give us in 2022? The essential reality that things change when we praise and when we, when we worship God. If you get anything, what are we learning from? The power of praise and worship. Before God put his hand on David, the only music or sound that would be uttered in the tabernacle was the trumpet that would assemble the people. There wasn't music yet. How many are thankful for King David? There wasn't psalms and hymns and prophetic songs. It was, it was quiet. Again, the only time the horn blew was to assemble. It wasn't music yet. So God takes this little forgotten son, the eighth of Jesse, who's out there on the hillside doing whatever, you know, you know, killing lions and wrestling bears and playing his music and singing psalms. And he's a psalmist before he's a king. And God says, that's my guy. That's who I want to establish my kingdom with. So David has it in his heart. Obviously, he, he gets, I'm, I'm so trying to fast forward and we'll just land the plane at this psalm. But I want to give you the backstory because it really matters. So David, every single role David has before he's anointed king, before it actually happens and the power passes from he to Saul, whatever he does, he gave his all to be excellent at it. So Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his tens of thousands. All the, David won the hearts of the people because he's out on the front, front of the field battling, conquering, all that's in Yahweh's heart, all that Saul, even though Saul tries to kill him on, someone help me, is it three occasions? It's at least two, three occasions. Even though Saul's trying to kill him because of jealousy and envy, he stands in the anointing of integrity. Like he won't budge. Saul, you're the anointed until God removes you and I step into my destiny. Oh, that'll preach, don't have time, but that's good. And so David, he, 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 he fulfills every role with excellence until God finally does remove Saul, cost him his life. And then David, if you can just go read, oh my goodness, Second uh, uh, Samuel 6, uh, all of First Chronicles sort of tells the story of King David. He's so excited, the first thing he does is what? As king. Time to get the ark. Time to pitch a tent right by my palace. The worshiping warriors, like, this is going to infuse the whole governmental reality of Israel. The first thing David wants to do, he's like, I've got this really big, sweet house, but God has a mangy old tent. We need to build him a house, a permanent structure. This is the background of the temple. 
And God tells the prophet Nathan, go tell David, I never told anyone before you, bro, to build me a permanent structure. You, I would even argue it wasn't even necessarily God's idea. I, I see God cooperating and operating with the zeal of his servant, of his anointed warrior king, worshiping warrior king. David had it in his heart. I'm going to build a permanent structure for, for my God right next to my palatial structure. I want Yahweh's present right here. And it's so amazing if you read the Zion Psalms or the enthronement Psalms throughout the Psalms, David knows who the true king of Israel is. Woo! That's why he's so powerful. So the first thing he does is he goes and gets the ark that's been gone from Israel for 20 years. Uh, I think it's between 20 and 40. I'm so sorry. That, I think it's 20. He, he's like, dude, this is crazy. We're God's covenant people. The ark is and foreign, foreign occupied land. Like foreigners have it. So he goes and gets the ark. He's so zealous. He's like, I want to get it the fastest way from where it is to the tent. I'm going to, I'm going to pitch for it until we can build a temple. And so he goes and he gets it and he doesn't check the law of Moses. Whoops. He doesn't check how you're actually supposed to carry the ark that carries the glory of Yahweh when God is honored. And so they put it on a cart because how many know, I just want to get God's presence back to where it needs to be. The only unfortunate thing is, is that, that the means matter to God. Someone say the means matter. And so he doesn't check and read the law of Moses that the Levites are supposed to carry it on poles. He's like, I just want to get the glory back into Israel because Ichabod was born and God's glory hadn't been in, in the midst of God's people for too many years. And David saw what happened when God's glory and anointing lifted off of a man. He saw a man, Saul, go insane. So David's like, if I don't have that anointing permeating my rulership, my kingdom, I know what happens when the glory of God departs. And I can't afford to, to I have nothing if I don't have his presence. Say that with me. I have nothing if I don't have his presence. And so David goes, he puts it on an ark, and you know the story. Uzzah, whoops. The oxen stumble. Brand new car, expediency, man, just hurry up and get it done. But it cost Uzzah his life. And then it, another hiatus of months in Obed-Edom's house. And Obed-Edom's house, because David was so afraid, he's like, oh, but God, I want, my, my intentions were good. I wanted the glory back into Israel. And he's like, I can't bring it now. So then he, get, then he gets scared. How many know the fear of God is our friend? There is, it's, a good, it's the beginning of wisdom. And so finally, he hears the blessing that's happening in Obed-Edom's house. It's like his whole house is being blessed because the ark's there. He's like, all right, let's go get the ark. Ark transport 2.0. This time, let's read how Moses said we're supposed to carry the ark and care to know how we were supposed to carry the ark. Humans are supposed to carry the ark. Say this with me. I was made to carry the glory of God. Not a machine, not a mechanism, not a cart, not oxen. People, remember the garden, are meant to bear the glory of God. And so finally, he's like, okay, let's get it right. They bring it. They slaughter so much. David, you know, t takes off his royal robe, puts on a priestly garment. He is dancing like a fool because they're doing it right. And the ark is coming back to the center of God's people on Mount Zion. He's got this special little tent that he's made for it. Jeez, he's so amazing. He has this little tent, and he's like, I'm going to put the ark right by my palace in this tent. 
I have this idea that I'm going to build this big temple for God, but the prophet said, it's not you, it's your boy. But in the meantime, I'm just going to put Yahweh right by me. And then he institutes all of these musicians and singers, and they praise God. They prophesy the promises. They declare his nature, his glory. They bring the ark back. And this morning, noon, and night, worship and praise and prayer begins to be established. It was unprecedented until this time in history of God's people. The essential reality of praise in the presence of God. If you remember the tabernacle of Moses, and then I promise this is, we're here. We're here now. If you remember the tabernacle of Moses and the temple, there's very clear boundaries. You enter the courtyard, anyone could enter. You enter the holy place, only priests could enter. You enter the most holy place, only the high priest once a year on the day of, of atonement, Yom Kippur. So there was gradation, gradations of holiness. Hey, you're in the courtyard. You're in the holy place. You're in the most holy place only once a year. Care to know the gradation strategy plan of David's tabernacle, David's tent? Tent, the ark. <laughs> you just read your own Bible. Read the, read the Bible. Read, everyone read the same Bible. It's good. David's like, I just want the glory in a tent with no furniture, nothing to get into distraction. It's all about God's presence. I love David. You guys, he, he was so before his time. There's no reason. There's no, there's no question why Yahweh's like, he's the seed that I'm going to bring the Messiah from. This is the template, a man that burns for my presence more than a title, more than a role. One who wants my glory at the center of my kingdom. And if there's anything, the temple and the tabernacle on the way to the temple, David's tent on the way to Solomon's temple, teach us, friends, you and I can have homes, marriages, friendships, small groups. We, like David, can say, God, we want your presence and your glory to be the centerpiece of our lives. By establishing rhythms of praise and prayer, devotion, declaring his promises. This is what we learn from one of the things we learn from King David. So David, out of his own pocket, provides for all of these musicians and singers. Again, Unlike what's so amazing, I don't, I don't have any time. I'm actually out of time, I know. But while the ark of the glory, the covenant, is in this tent that David made right by his palace, on another mountain about seven miles, there's still the tabernacle of Moses. They're still sacrificing animals. They're still doing their thing. Only the ark is here. They finally get unified a, a few years, a, a little bit later, but I just think it's so amazing that God worked with a man's zeal for his presence like he did. So that's a little bit of David. He had it in his heart. Read all of the end of, of First Chronicles 28 and 9 because I can't. I don't have time this morning. But David, he, he empties out all of his treasury so that his son can build this palatial structure, this temple for God's presence. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You know, as I was reflecting Every key moment from, Mo from Moses to Joshua, from David to Solomon, from Jesus to his disciples, from Elijah to Elisha, it's almost like God won't give any one generation his full plan because he wants us to always have to work together. I was just, that was a side note, but I just have been, I was so blessed as I've been reflecting on the biblical story. How many know God wants us to carry the thing together? The, all the generations, God's promises and purposes. 
So this is so breathtaking. Psalm 132. <clears throat> I'm not going to preach line upon line. Don't worry. I just want to end so you can, again, catch David's heart. Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord. <laughs> a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard it in Ephrath. <laughs> How do you even say that word? Ephrathatha. <laughs> That's a hard one, okay? You could get your degree in that, how to pronounce that word. We, we came upon it in the field of Jaar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool, saying, Arise, Lord. Say it. Arise, Lord. Come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed in your righteousness. May your faithful people sing for joy. Again, Peter Lightheart, Dr. Lightheart, wrote a book called From Silence to Song. Highly recommend. It's, it's sort of heady, scholarly, but he, he unpacks as a genius. It, right here in the storyline of God, it went from silence to song. <laughs> the instruments, the singing, the praising. Thank you, David. Thank you, Holy Spirit. May your priests be clothed with righteousness. May your faithful people sing for joy. For your sake, for the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your descendants, we're going to talk about him next week, I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling our sermon series, saying, this is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation. Her faithful people with, will ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but read this with me, but his head will be adorned Wait, I like that. I like radiant. So I want you to see here, when God saw a man whose obsession, who, the banner over this man's life was, I want to make a resting place for, for God's presence. God was like, if you get that right, let me take care of everything else. The priest will be clothed in righteousness. The poor will have abundance in food. My presence at the center of your reality. First things first. This is why he says, if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, what did Jesus say in Matthew 3, 6, 33 and 4? All of these things, say it, all of these things will be given to you as well. What David gifts us with, and again, you can read the building of the temple. I am sort of cheating. Read all of the building of the temple. All of Second Chronicles 1 through 7. It's beautiful. Don't have time. Solomon builds it. The glory fills. But this time, the glory fills after chapter 5. The priests are singing. Oh, I just like that. That's not, well, it's not how it filled into Moses. But after they were singing, after they did what David instituted, they're singing praises to God. The glory falls. 
And what I want us to walk away with today as we enter into the chaos of the season with all of the parties, the presents, just set your heart like David. That's, one of my friends have a little tattoo, 132 on her hands right here because of this verse. I will allow no sleep until I find a place for the Lord. And I want you to walk away from this talk, from this like Old Testament survey of the biblical story, thinking, have I built a place for God to dwell in my life? For me, it's my chair right by the fire. The fire has been beautiful these last several weeks because it's still cold in the morning. But where's your place? Where's your place for God to come and to reside? Just picture it right now. If you don't have a place, just say, Lord, I want to build a place, literally set aside a place for you to meet with me this week. Like David, I want your presence to be the most important thing I pursue and I welcome in my life. God, I pray right now for our families. I pray for every person in this room and those who will listen later. I pray like David, we would realize all the power, all the prestige, all the, pl- all the possessions mean nothing if we don't have your presence at the center. And so, God, I just pray you would order our church family You would, like a Holy Spirit chiropractor, all of our desires, all of the things that we carry, all of our responsibilities, that, God, they would come into alignment with this one thing that David shows us throughout his life. I want to make a dwelling place for God. And, Lord, I just pray you would pour out the Holy Spirit of grace and encouragement on every person in this room that, like David, we would say yes to being a people of your presence. God, fill our homes, fill our hearts, and fill our lives with your goodness and your love. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said amen and amen. I love you guys so much. That's it. If you need prayer, come on up. But let's be those people this week who build a place, who say yes to the presence of God.